0: life, that, that, is, that is our whole life. And so to do so, uh, if you remember last week, the last verse that I ended with was Philippians 4.8, uh, finally brothers, whatever is, uh, pu- whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, re- remember that one, Philippians 4.8, think about these things. Uh, and I actually want to back up and, and read the first three verses, not the first three verses, the three verses that immediately precede that it's a, a part of a, a larger thought uh, and really begin to dive into this story and just deal with how hard it is to walk in this thought life. And, and really what I feel Paul gives us kind of a clear picture of our best shot at this and how where all of this fruit of a healthy emotional and thought life and spiritual life comes from, where that fruit comes from. And so let's look at Philippians 4 verses 4 through 7. It says, Jesus, that's our text for today. And I love that text because it's so powerful. And honestly, it's really encouraging, right? Um, but it also really feels like impossible to not be anxious about anything. Just even the the title of this series is a little bit silly if you think about it because even Paul himself, you know, uh, in other parts of his letters, he actually wrote how he was really anxious about a lot of things. He was anxious about what the church is going through and anxious about what he's going through. And, And even Jesus in the garden, you guys remember Jesus? He's in the garden and he's sweating profusely something, sweating blood, right? Sweating blood through his skin. That's how stressed and anxious he was. Even Jesus struggled to not be anxious in that moment. And the idea that we will never, like we can get to this place in which just we're happily ever after and we're never anxious about anything, frankly, sits among a set of scriptures that feel just impossible. And so these aren't really, I think there are more pursuits of our life that we long to live within, to, to maintain, and, and maybe we can't do it over the rest of the course of our life, but maybe I can do it for this next day. I can just make a choice and learn to abide in Christ in such a way in which... I am free of those things, this this passage, I could preach a whole series on, it's so powerful, and I'm I'm tempted to lean into the peace that passes understanding when we talk about anxiety. I'm tempted to talk about the power of thanksgiving and gratitude in our prayer life and what an impact that is, And, and we'll talk about all these things a little bit, talk about the joy of the Lord a little bit. But really, I feel like Paul, because of his style here, not because of his intention, he buries the lead. You know that phrase, like you bury the lead, like, you, like tell me the most important thing that kind of holds all this together, and I feel like it's buried in the middle of these three verses, and it's really the smallest sentence, and in fact, in the Greek language, it's, it's two words that I really want to be the foundation, and what I really feel like for Paul is the glue that holds his whole encouragement to the church at Philippi together. And it's these two Greek words, Kyrios and goose. That's the Greek words for it. And it just means the Lord is near. The Lord is near. I want that to kind of be the the bedrock. And I feel like that is what Paul is communicating in the church, how we can uh, rejoice always, how we can be gentle to everyone, how we can not be anxious, how we can how peace hits our life in which it, it's because he's near. And it's through his nearest nearness and abiding in that that we will come to understand and live in each one of these and have the fruit of those in our life. Uh, it, it's funny because the, the Book of Philippians is overall many theologians would say it's kind of like a theme of joy. It, it's a, it's like one of the most happy go lucky uh, books you'll find, uh, particularly in the New Testament. Um, it, it's just a, a real positive tone, but y- you would never you know guess that Paul is himself, except for when he says, "I'm in chains." Is in prison as he writes that, not the most happy go lucky environment that you've ever found. And so he says all of this stuff out of his own life, in which he struggled to find and maintain and live in this place to rejoice always and to not be anxious. But it's the nearness of God that really has taught him that makes all these things possible. And, and so he's not just going through the physical suffering of being in prison. He's been accused of different things. He's been beaten on several occasions. And in fact, in some parts of, the, the, uh, of his uh, letters, he he's actually says this. He's like, you can kind of get hints of him dreaming about death. Like, look, I, I'd rather die <laughs> I'd rather go to be with Jesus, but I'm going to stay here on your behalf. You get these hints and thoughts that like his life is so terrible that he's actually dreaming of of death. And so the guy who's writing this is not one who like life has been perfect for. So if you're one of those people that like life's been just rough, you've just had a very hard life, like Paul gets it. He's been living a very difficult journey to follow the Lord's will in his life. And so he's facing all of these things. But it's not just him, it's the, the church that he's writing to, the, the this letter to the church at Philippi. They had their own set of challenges. Uh, they're being persecuted from outside influences, people who are not happy about the work of the ministry there in Philippi. That it's it's a it's not really a part of the Roman Empire, but it sort of is. It's kind of like grandfathered in, brothered in, and so a lot of the customs and they have their comfort, and so they don't want them to be doing certain things. There's all these outside pressures. On that church. I mean, they're also dealing with internal conflict, just like you've got at your work or in your family or in your church. (laughs) There's interpersonal conflict. They're dealing with some problems like that. And they're also dealing with some false teachers that are blatantly coming in and, and teaching false gospels, whatever that false gospel might be at the time. And so their challenges for the church at Philippi are not really all that different from the challenges that we face and they were struggling maybe to maintain joy and maintain gentleness when people are coming against them and find themselves anxious about a lot of things. And Paul's encouragement is profound for their life. And I think it can be very profound for us. But let's, So let's talk about these two words, these two Greek words, Kyrios on Goose, for just a few minutes. Uh, because I, I think it's huge that we understand these. The first Kyrios is the word Lord. But really the understanding is a sovereign Lord, a sovereign master who is over anything, like whatever it might be. This could be a phrase that could be used for anybody, but here it's obviously specifically speaking about God himself. And this idea of his sovereignty over everything is essential for us to have deeply within our heart not just something that we believe, but something that we hold dear and we know is true because it's at the core of why we can't be gentle to everyone. It's why we can't possess the joy of the Lord. It's essential of why we are so anxious so often because when we really burrow down into a lot of those things, we may say that, yeah, 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 he's Lord over all, but then we are worried about things that if he's Lord over all and we are his sons and daughters, then, then why are we so wor- worried about it? And often it takes us getting back to the truth that maybe I just don't believe that as much as I say I do. And wrestling with that, wrestling that deep into our hearts in which he truly, we're surrendered to him as curiosity, as Lord. But not just uh, his character, his very nature as sovereign over all, but his very nature as in his nearness, that he's not a God who is far off as some of our founding fathers thought. He was just a, a watchmaker who kind of got things started, creator of all, but kind of far off. And earlier this year when we talked our series Here and Now, we talked about that, that God is near and it was a it was a prophecy towards Jesus about Jesus that was fulfilled in Matthew 124 that that says his name shall be called anybody know Emmanuel which means God with us it it's it's not it's his name but it is it's who he is that that he's with us like and he doesn't cease to be with us because we get anxious like he's still he doesn't cease to be with us because we don't feel him anymore. Because it's his very nature that he's with us. He doesn't cease to be sovereign because we lose sight of that. It's who he is. He is sovereign and he is Emmanuel, God, with us. And and if we can possess these two truths and and not relinquish them, not release them because of the stresses and circumstances of our life, then we're going to possess something that's going to change our thought life and it's going to change our spiritual life and our very being in this world. If we can possess these and hold on to them, not just for a moment in a day, but just keep going back. And when the anxiety comes in, when the stresses come in, what truth do I need to run back to? He is sovereign and he is with me. And things start getting a little bit clearer. The anxiety starts turning down and just pushing into trusting in that. Uh, there's much in this text that I, I, I want to, to speak to, and, and we will, but I want to go to one other text in John 15:4 when it talks about abiding in his truth, abiding in Jesus. And it's this one, remain in me, and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Um, how many of you guys are good at starting things but not finishing things. Like you've got books that you love to start a good book. You love to start a TV series. You love to start a a house project. Somebody got a house project that's not quite finished yet. Yeah, I got a couple of those too. That bathroom that we had this crazy thing this summer, it's not totally finished yet, right? We all have these things that are a little bit undone in in our life. And we get them going, but then we we kind of cease to bear fruit in those areas because we don't remain and stay focused on them. And I think this is essential for us to not only understand the character of God, that He is near, He is sovereign, and, and He is Emmanuel, God with us. But it's to remain in those things. And my ability to remain in those things, in, in many ways, is, is going to shift and, and set the course for what my thought life and my spiritual life is going to look like. Like, and so before we get in and talk about all this other stuff, let's just keep it real simple here. My ability to remain in Jesus is what all this fruit's going to be able to come out of. It's not, it's not a formula. It's a relationship. It's not, it's not a formula. And so often we want a formula. We want to look it up. We want to find the YouTube video and then do it. And then we'll just do it. That's not what this is with Jesus. It's not that. It's, it's, a, it's a relationship, and, and we're not going to bear any fruit, spiritual fruit, fruit that matters, that lasts, unless we're abiding and remaining in Him. So I want to briefly look at these four things and just kind of share my heart and, and what I, f- I feel like God wants to speak to us. And the first one is that the, the, the fruit that comes from abiding in Emmanuel, God with us, abiding in Jesus is that uh, the joy of the Lord will be constant and, and not circumstantial. I actually want to go back to the text and let's read through this here. And you're going to see some words highlighted in yellow. And I actually want you to read them out loud with me, if you will. Uh, Rejoice in the Lord. I, I will say it again. Rejoice and let your gentleness be evident to All. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about Anything. but in By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Keep going. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There's kind of a constancy here that is not circumstantial on who the person is, on what the circumstance is, on what you don't understand or do understand. It's kind of all and everything it's, it's our whole life. It's our whole life. And he wants us to experience the joy of the Lord. And, and honestly, can I just be honest? Like, kind of growing up in the church. We talked about Christian ease last week and how that can be damaging in a lot of ways. And... and so words like rejoice are, are not words I use in my regular vernacular. Like when's the last time you just said rejoice? I'm just rejoicing. Maybe, maybe so. Maybe that is a part of your vernacular. It's not one that is natural or common to me, but I think the truth in the heart of what Paul is saying to us here is to experience the joy of the Lord, to experience the joy of the Lord. And look, this life has a lot of highs and a lot of lows A lot of circumstances that are out of our control. This week you had a good day and you had a bad day, most likely. You know, there were moments in which you had absolute highs and moments in which you've started to kind of deal with some anxiety and depression about something. We have these highs and lows and sometimes we can just feel like we're on this giant roller coaster. Anybody ever feel like that? Am I the only one that just feels like sometimes it's up and down? was a professor, not a professor, he was a teacher, he was in high school of mine, who was a man that was deeply shaped by God and deeply formed by God, and he really was a a little bit stoic in a, a lot of ways, and I just found a constancy in his tone that I really admired, and and I, I felt like there was something godly about that. That was not natural for me because I was prone to anger outbursts and um, you know highs and lows. And, and and so I really began to admire him. And and the more I studied the scriptures and studied theology, I really understood that that constancy, that steadiness, is who God is, and it's really what He wants for our life—to to be able to rejoice whether we got a lot of money or we don't have much money at all, to, to rejoice whether we're in the hospital or, or whether we're with our best friends celebrating a birthday, to be able to not live our life just on highs and lows, but through the joy of the Lord. And, and Jesus, we talked about John 15, about remaining in him, John 15, four, just a moment ago. If you read down seven verses, to, to John 15, 11, you say, okay, well, what is the joy of the Lord and how can I possess it then? Well, Jesus tells us, John 15, 11, I've told you all this about remaining in me and bearing fruit so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. It may be full. It may be ever present. I tell you all these things. So his joy would be in us. Joy is not something we seek to find. It, 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 joy is not a place in which everything's finally perfect and then I can have joy. In which I, I, I've made everything right and, and now I can just live in this constant state of, of bliss. That, that's not what Jesus has for us. In fact, the way that we can come to experience that, what is it? It's that His joy may be in us. And so just like salvation and just like spiritual gift. It's a gift. It's a gift that flows out of the relationship. Like, I love, you guys You guys know how much I love my wife, right? She's amazing. I love her to death. And, and I just get so much joy out of being with her. Like, I don't need her to do anything. Like, when we, we go, uh, you know, away and, you know, uh, leave the kids at home with some crackers, and they just figure it out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Our kids are really young. We don't do that yet. But, um no, we just go out. It's like we just experience joy, and like we just want to be together, and, and it's, just be, it's just being together. And, and, we, and now we, we share so many of the same things, bring us delight, and I think that's the essence that I want to communicate to us today is, is don't try to find joy on your own. Just receive his joy within you and say, God, what actually delights your heart? So I'm not just knowing his character, but I'm knowing his, the things that bring him joy and delight because there, there is more meat on the bones than that, than anything else we're searching for. There's so much more joy in the things that give him joy than even the things that we think will give us joy. <laughs> we, uh, we, we, uh, the other night, Terrence said, I need some chocolate cake. I'm like, okay. And so I'm like, I'll go get you chocolate cake because I'm all about chocolate cake. So let's do it. And so I went and got her some chocolate cake and I... I'm like, I'm going to get me something, too. And so I was looking at the counter, and they had a, a German chocolate. Do you like German chocolate? I know it's kind of like an acquired taste because of the coconut, but I like it. I like the German chocolate. And so I grabbed it, uh, and I was looking at the carrot cake muffin and your, your cupcake, and I was like, you know, what's the difference between a muffin and a cupcake, right, the time of day, you know? It's like <laughs> pretty much. So <laughs> um, so I, I go ahead, and I'm like, I'm going to get this German chocolate, and I walk out the door, and I'm like, man, I regret this. I don't need this, like... You know, I, I just regret it. This is not even going to taste good. It's going to be terrible. And I'm just regretting it the whole time uh, we get home. I don't even know if this story connects. It, it may not even connect with the sermon. You guys are just going to have to uh, roll on with me. But uh, I get home and, and I'm like, I told Taryn, I'm like, I actually regret this. It's this not even going to be good. I'm just counting on it. And I dig into it. And I'm like, oh, this is delicious. This is amazing. And I said, I retract my regret. And like I feel like that's something I never do. I never retract regret. I'm just I just regret something after it's done. I guess I preemptively regretted this. And I guess I say all that to say is you will not regret, you will not regret finding your joy in the things that give him joy. And our heart becomes aligned with him, we become one in him, and our joy can be complete. And so we don't have to grieve as the world grieves. We don't have to grieve, as it says in Nehemiah, uh, it, we don't have to grieve for the joy of the Lord. It's our strength, no matter the circumstance. That took way too, much, too long on that. So the second thing is my attitude uh, it, it, towards all people is caring and, and not conditional, I joke about this all the time, that our, we have no unconditional relationships. We, we don't understand unconditional love. Like even as a parent, my love for my children is conditional, that they're my children. And like, you know what I mean? Like it's just, it's not unconditional for everybody um, most often. But Jesus' love is unconditional for us. And, and to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbors ourselves is the two most important commandments, Jesus said, the two most principal things, and frankly, we're quite conditional in our gentleness. Uh, I, I grew up in an environment in which we used the word suck it up a lot. Like, that was, that was like a catchphrase of the Nelson house growing up. Anybody else grew up in one of those houses? Like, suck it up was like a part of our everyday language. Well, well I married Taryn, and she had never heard that phrase in her life, and uh, <laughs> And early on in our marriage, um, I, would, I wouldn't say suck it up, but I would find another way to say that. That was a little nicer, but not so much. And, uh, and she just had to help me understand this. And, and she, she would say it like this. She goes, Kyle, I am a delicate flower. <laughs> <laughs> and I began to understand gentleness, kind of the hard way in marriage, that I need to be Gentle. And the more I studied the scriptures, the more I came to Christ, that became a quality in which I want to possess and have in my life, because it's who Jesus is. I mean, if we see him with the woman caught in adultery, every moment that she needed to be corrected, that she needed to receive truth, but he just protected her, and he was gentle towards her, and he, he spoke the truth and said, leave that life of sin behind, but, but he was gentle. I mean, the scriptures tell us that it is the kindness of God that leads people towards repentance. And some of us, our kindness isn't leaving anybody to repentance. <laughs> I know that's my story. I've, I've learned a lot of lessons, and I've come a long way, and I feel like i got a long way to go on this. For, for a while, I felt like I could be gentle towards everybody. I'm just being honest, so like no judgment. Judgment-free zone, right? We good? We good? I, I could be gentle towards everybody else except the customer service agent when I wasn't getting my way. Come on. I'm, I'm being real, so let's all be real. I'm gentle to everybody except them. Oftentimes, some of the people we can't be gentle with is our own children, our sibling, our own parents. We can't be gentle with. People we think ought to know better, we can't be gentle with, but that's not what the scripture says. That's not what Paul encourages us to do. He says, be gentle to all and make it Evident. Not just in your head, you're gentle up here, but they don't actually feel any bit of gentleness based on that look on your face and based on the comment you made. Make it evident that they actually feel it. And so um, I'm a work in progress. Anybody else a work in progress when it comes to gentleness? But make it evident Uh, Because our ability to, to love our neighbor unconditionally comes from one thing. It comes from abiding in the unconditional love of the Father. Like our ability to be gentle towards others comes out of knowing that he's near. Someone that did you wrong, the way we can be gentle towards them, the person that has talked about you behind your back, the way you can be gentle is a phrase that we see throughout the Old and New Testaments. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. (laughs) It's not up to us to like chase them down and like cuss them out. It's, it's his. We can, we can still be gentle, and we can just set ourselves free f- from any kind of um, you know, ties in which we've got the people that we cannot be gentle to, and God wants to lead us into this place. But the only way that's going to happen is by abiding in the truth that, that he's sovereign over every situation. He's sovereign over every soul. Every person we come in contact with was made in the image of God. And and as sons and daughters, we are called to be ambassadors of his love, and we are to be a display of that image, as I've said it before, to be a representation, a representation, a representation of his love and his goodness. That is our calling as sons and daughters. And so who in your life do you need to be a little more gentle to? Maybe your spouse, maybe your boss, your coworker, your employee, your kids. I don't know but we're just going to put it in God's hand, and we want to live a life that's not conditional, but that's birthed out of the relationship we have with God, and is genuinely caring. Our prayer life is, is genuine. Our prayer life is far more conversational than it is ceremonial, and I feel like a lot of our prayers are real ceremonial, and he says, don't be anxious about Anything but by prayer and petition, make your, uh, with thanksgiving, to make your requests known to God, to present them to God. And so this conversation, but what he's given us here is not a formula for the relief of our stresses. That's not what he's given us here. But I think he is giving us a couple attributes that um, are, are you, know, can, you cannot remove from the core of a healthy prayer life. And I believe that's honesty and thanksgiving. Honesty and thanksgiving. I, I feel like oftentimes our kids, we talk about our kids a lot because we're parents and they make for good illustrations. But, um, uh, but oftentimes I, I'm trying to understand what they want. And I'm like, hey, will you just tell me what you want and I'll help you. If you'll just like get, get to the point, man, just let me know what you want and then I'm gonna help make that... You know, I'm like, we're in like a whiny stage with Elisha. Like, we're in that stage, and it's real intense right now. We're like over the whining, but um, we're just telling, hey, just just ask. Polite, ask nicely what you want. Like, tell us what you want. Like, if you need, that doesn't mean I'm going to give it to you. I'm not going to give you everything you want, but but I'm going to hear your request. And and, and I think for, for us so often, like, we're just in this ceremonial kind of, we treat God like he's a genie in a bottle, like he's Will Smith on like the new Aladdin movie. Like, just, if I rub him the right way, and if, I, if I'm real good this week, then like, he'll respond to me. Then he'll hear my request as if him hearing our request is based on us being perfect or something. And that's not who God is. It's a, it's not a, it's a relationship that we abide in. And it allows us to not be anxious about everything. It's going to, to kind of remove those things. So I, I just believe so deeply that honesty and, and, um, and thanksgiving are, are, are the markers of a healthy prayer life. Are those things in your prayer life? When's the last time you were just brutally honest with God? When, when's the last time like, you didn't come to Him for anything? It was just to say, thank you that I'm breathing today and i got a roof over my head today. Like, just thank you for salvation. Like, if we can't ever stop thanking him. And it's the markers of a healthy prayer life. And if you, you feel like you're stuck, just get honest and just start getting grateful. And you're going to see some things start. Turn around in your prayer life. Because all of a sudden, I got a lot of stuff to talk about. But, but honest is like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to present my petitions. Like there's something about God that he's waiting for our participation on some things in our life right now that if we'll just be honest and we'll just ask him for and we'll believe him for, it's not going to be everything. And it may not be in the way or the way you think he's going to do it. In fact, most of the time it's not. But you'll see it. He, you'll see the hand of God working. Um, David Gezick says this, one commentator, he says, undue care is an intrusion into an arena that belongs to God alone. That anxiety, that worry, it's, it's into the undue intrusion of an area that belongs to God alone. And it makes us the father of the household, not the child. It's a profound statement. A lot of our anxiety comes because we're not abiding in sovereign God who is Emmanuel, God with us. That he's near to us. And so maybe today as we pray here in just a few moments... You just need to get honest. You just need to get grateful. And I think some some rust is going to break off some of our prayer life if we'll just get thankful and get honest and and just begin to have a conversation with God, not some like genie formula to get what we want, as if he works like that. And lastly, and the band can come, is the peace of God. Because we often misunderstand and manipulate what the peace of God is. Because the peace of God, it's it's not some cozy set of feelings. It's confidence in God. That's the peace of God. We go searching for the feelings, and and I think far too often, actually, what we are is like something away from Christianity. It's actually more like um, um, Buddhism or Stoicism or Nihilism or like some other ism. That's not Christianity. Because we base it all off feelings. Like I'm just searching for that, feel, that feeling and whatever my feelings, and, and we've talked about that at length in the past. But God has for us a peace that passes and transcends those feelings. Like it's the, what is this peace of God? It's the type of peace that, that holds up in the hospital. It, it's, it's the type of peace that holds up when you've lost your home. It's, it's the type of peace that, that holds up when your family has betrayed you and turned their back on you. Like it's, it's peace that holds up when the feelings aren't there. But confidence in who God is and his love and our position as sons and daughters is There. I just think of Jesus in the garden once again. I mentioned it earlier that sweating drops of blood, and he's dealing with this. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Like but he but he still then gets up and walks the road to Calvary. He still then is faithful to not even feel like he's gotta make a defense for himself when he knows he was innocent. He's still gentle to everyone he's coming in contact with. When Peter wants to pull out a sword and cut somebody's ear off, I mean, he does. Jesus puts it back on. He's like, nah, that ain't how we roll. There's going to be gentleness that's going to be evident to all, even in his death and his arrest. There's two words for transcends understanding. Really, transcends means superior or to, to rise above. This is, this is really important. As we really talk about what anxiety is and how it works chemically in our bodies and our brains, this transcend is an idea to to rise above it. And understanding really speaks of our thoughts and our perceptions, like what we perceive and our judgments to be made about situations. So as I was studying anxiety, it's it's basically the release of a hormone, namely um, adrenaline, that's released into our bodies based on our perception of a situation. And so when we talk about understanding and abiding in God and who He is, a sovereign over all and near to us, it's basically what happens is our perception is off. Off our perceptions off. We're perceiving imminent dangers over things that God's got under control. And we're feeling those. And so we're never going to get rid of all anxiety. It's a part of our life and being. But we can learn to abide in his truth. We can learn to live in the truth of his very character and his very nature. And some some things that were perceived dangers, we know are not perceived dangers anymore. Because something's risen above. Something has transcended from inside of us. It's risen above, and, it's, it's in, and some of this is just going to happen through maturity in Christ. Having walked through some seasons, having stepped out in faith, and seen God show up, and it does what? It brings confidence, and that is what faith is. It's not like, I hope it works out. No, it's confident that it is going to work out, that we can get to that place. And, and, and it's not mental, and thought life, and vernacular to kind of make ourselves feel better No, it's the transcendent truth that begins to rise up within us. And that we reject the lies, we lead them off, we air traffic control the things that are taking up, like toxic thoughts that are taking up mental real estate. We we send those to another airport. They're not landing with us. Peace of God is confidence in him, not some cozy feelings. And what does Paul say this is going to do for us? It's going to guard our heart. It's going to guard our mind. That confidence. It's gonna stiff arm anything. I love a good stiff arm. I grew up playing football and I was never good at stiff arm, but I've been stiff armed super hard sometimes and like it, it hurt. There's this uh, one guy on my favorite team who. Uh, he, he got um, a stiff arm that he, he stopped playing football after that. <laughs> like, he was done. Like, he, he got hurt on the play, and then, like, he's done in football now. Like, that stiff arm hit him hard. And, and here's what I'm believing for you I'm believing we're going to stiff arm some things that are just not going to come back. They're just going to retire. <laughs> and just know that we've got confidence in, in God, and our, our confidence in God has risen to the place that it's guarding our mind and it's guarding our heart. I want to ask you to stand. I want to pray with you today. Let me just ask you a couple questions before we pray. Are we tired of the roller coaster of highs and lows, ups and downs? Are there some people in your life that gentleness is not flowing out of to them? Kind of make excuses for it? And is are we just constantly consumed with anxiety? Has our, our prayer life gotten stuck? Is it just kind of religious and ceremonial and we do it with church and then like when things are bad, we reach out and I'm like, hey, help me here. Like I, I, we need something to rise up. Kind of like We're searching for feelings, but God wants to give us something deeper that's gonna just rise above all the other noise, rise above all the mess. I, I don't know where you're at. I don't know which one of these is landing for you. Maybe all of them but I know one of them that we cannot afford to miss and it's that he is near. He is near to us and we just need to maintain our posture as his sons and daughters. Everything else is going to come into perspective. Our perception is going to change. It's going to have a deep impact on some of our anxiety, some of our stresses. Just get some things in perspective. God, I pray right now in this house. God, I pray right now as one who that bears a heavy burden mentally and emotionally and spiritually for others. I pray right now, God, that you would lead us and you would reveal, as we open our hearts, God, you would reveal who you are to us. Your very nearness, God. This is your nature, God, and we would embrace this truth, God. We would abide, we would remain, not just today in this moment with the music's right and the lighting's right, but God, on Wednesday when we want to scream and we've, we're losing our temper, God, in that moment, would you remind us, God, that you are near. You are Lord over every situation, over every individual or created in your image. God, would you just remind us of who you are, your very character For any of us, God, that we're in this kind of, we're looking for a formula, we're looking for a quick fix, God, would you just draw us close? Would you remind us that it's a relationship in God, it's a relationship that you've called us to, that you desire for us that will set us free? God, teach us, Holy Spirit, guide us, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. This band's going to lead us in a song that's just a, a powerful declaration of his truth, and if you're in this place and you're like, hey, I'm dealing with this kind of up and down thing. I've, I'm dealing with some anxiety stuff. Maybe you're dealing with depression or maybe somebody in your family is battling this stuff. There's some prayer partners, these crosses. And I want to encourage you. I want to implore you to join with two or three. And maybe that's just with a spouse or a friend in the room. You don't want to come up the front, but I, I think we need to circle some of these things in prayer today. And, and so I'm imploring you to step out and be honest and be real, bring it into the light. If not, man, I just pray God's going to do something amazing in our hearts. So let's come, let's celebrate, let's worship today.